Well, every year at the holiday season, as they approach, I take a break from whatever book I've been preaching through. And usually I turn to something completely different. And we've been marching through the book of 1 Samuel together. Last week, we got to finally witness David slay Goliath, um, sort of the center, the pinnacle of 1 Samuel. And I promise when we get to 2019 and the new year, we will finish the story. Um, But for the next month, we're going to be doing something completely different. So if you will turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Those of you who were here last week know that uh, my family and I were driving back from Florida last weekend. And I found myself wrestling with a question I don't normally have to wrestle with. Um, because here at College Street, you know, we preach, I preach through books of the Bible. So every Monday morning, I just pick up wherever I left off on Sunday. But as I was driving home and blankly staring at the miles and miles of highway that are between Florida and South Carolina... I was wondering, huh, I wonder what passage I should preach for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And I I couldn't shake this three-word command from Paul's letter to the Colossians. And be thankful. So, I thought that's a great place for us to spend our time this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Why don't we stand together as we receive the word of God. We're going to begin in Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul writes, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that an overflowing, abounding thanksgiving would well up inside of our hearts this morning as we listen to Your Word, and that it would pour out of our mouths and into our lives Uh, for the rest of this week and into the rest of our lives for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And be thankful. If you're taking notes this morning, those are going to be our sermon points. Point number one, and. Point number two, be. And number three, thankful. We're simply going to think about what Paul means by each of these words that he's chosen and be thankful. 
Let's look at the first word. And, it's a three-letter word, whether you read it in English, or even if you were to read it in the language Paul originally wrote the letter in, it's three letters there too. A three-letter word that occurs 9,264 times just in the New Testament. So, I can totally understand why reading this passage, you might think, and is just one of those throwaway words. <laughs> but let's think about it for a few minutes, okay? The word and is a conjunction, which means that it joins together two related things, peanut butter and jelly, salt and pepper. My kids, they refer to uh, Tony and Richie as pop and meemaw, right? And as a conjunction, it joins two things together that are related. The odd thing about the and here in Colossians 3.15 is that it comes out of nowhere and seems to connect things that, that at first glance seem unrelated and off topic. Listen again to verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. It feels like an add-on. But I think that that's actually the point. Paul added it on to verse 14, but he could have just as easily added it on, uh, or he added it to verse 15, he could have just as easily added it on to verse 14, and above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and be thankful. He could have put it there or he could have added it to verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience and be thankful. The word and is showing us this morning that no matter what, thankfulness is always related it doesn't matter what topic you're talking about in the Christian life. It goes with everything. And reminds us that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can always add more thankfulness. And says, every opportunity that you get to add thankfulness, take advantage of it. Every chance you get to give thanks, guess what? Do it. We were at a wedding this past weekend, and during the cocktail hour, they had waiters that were carrying around these little trays of spring rolls. And you know, at some weddings, you, they, they, have, they have hors d'oeuvres for like the first 10 minutes, and then they run out. This wasn't one of those kinds of weddings. It was like wave after wave of spring rolls coming into the reception. And, you know, every time they come by, they say, would you like a spring roll? Thank you very much. I will have a spring roll. They come by again. Well, I guess I'll have another one. Thank you. Sir, would you like a spring roll? Don't mind if I do. Thank you very much. And, you know, you get to a point where I'm just a little bit embarrassed because I can tell that they're, like, tallying up how many spring rolls I've had <laughs> based on how many times they've come around to me. And I think Thanksgiving is like those spring rolls, you always have room for just one more. Or think about when you go through the buffet on Thursday at the Thanksgiving dinner. There's always room for a little more on the plate, right? 
That's what Paul's saying Thanksgiving is like. When you think about the and, and be thankful, he's saying, listen, you can always add a little more, can't you? You can always be a little more thankful. Thanksgiving is the perfect add-on to any command, any activity, anything in the Christian life. You know, I'll take a little love, some peace, some self-control, and some thanksgiving. Why don't you throw that in on the side? You think about when I get up to preach, I want to make sure that I'm clear. I want to be compassionate. Ah, but you know what? I think I want to be thankful as well. There is literally no outfit that thankfulness doesn't go well with. Thankfulness is the perfect accessory. And that's what the word and shows us. You can add thanksgiving to anything. That's why Paul so easily tosses it in here, seemingly out of nowhere, and it doesn't feel out of place. Don't just make dinner. Make dinner and be thankful. Don't just go to work. Go to work and be thankful. Don't just come to church. Come to church and be thankful. Somebody give me an activity. Don't just play soccer. Play soccer and be thankful, right? You can add Thanksgiving to anything. Don't just slice onions. Slice onions and be thankful. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but you think about it and you could add it to anything. Don't just change diapers. Change diapers and be thankful. Don't just do laundry. Do laundry and be thankful. I mean, you can add Thanksgiving to anything. It sounds sort of ridiculous until you realize this is in no way an exaggeration of Paul's point. Listen to chapter 1, verse 3. The very first words after we hear Paul's introduction, he says, We always thank God. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Then again in verse 11 and 12 of the same chapter, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's not all. Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And one more time in chapter 4, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Here's the clincher, and we heard it earlier. The end of this section, his conclusion in verse 17, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in two ways. Number one, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And secondly, do everything, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says it doesn't matter what word you're saying. It doesn't matter what deed you are doing. Don't forget the end. You need to add thanksgiving to it. Whatever it is, you can always add and be thankful. And conversely, if you're saying or doing something that you can't add and be thankful to, it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. Yell at your spouse and be thankful. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? Hit your brother and be thankful. Doesn't sound right, does it, guys? 
No. Lie at work and be thankful. Flip off the guy in traffic and be thankful. Fume and rage at the news and be thankful. They just don't quite fit together. You see, if we're to live our lives like Thanksgiving is the perfect accessory, then everything we do in our Christian lives, we should always have the and in mind. If the and doesn't work, it probably shouldn't be about it. The and teaches us to hate evil and to do good. Paul tells the Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what he wants. That's his will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. Before we move on to the second word, think about what the word and indicates. Normally you say and because there was something that came before it, right? And connects the second thing to the first thing. And is adding something to something that's already there. So this word and is having us add thanksgiving to what? We'll read the first half of, of verse, thir- verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. So what we're ending on to is this peace of Christ. But the peace of Christ isn't this... Uh, he's not talking about some kind of precious moments doll or about, you know, peace, the peace that you feel when you're listening to smooth jazz in an elevator, right? This is the kind of peace that he talks about in chapter 1 when he talks about Jesus waging the war to end all wars on the cross. Let me read it to you. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of God. Of his cross. And you, who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. Paul is calling us to add thanksgiving to a peace that Jesus won for us on the cross that we had nothing to do with. And that everything to do with God sacrificing his own son, shedding his own blood, dying for us to bring an end to the evil war against God that we started, and extinguishing the righteous wrath of God against our sin. So our thanksgiving doesn't add anything to the gospel. It can add nothing to the historical fact that the Son of God came down from heaven, died, has been raised, is now seated at the right hand of God, and is now at work in our lives to make us holy, blameless, and above reproach so that He can present us to the Father on the last day. We have nothing to add to that except thanksgiving. And be thankful. Well, We can't spend the whole sermon on a three-letter word, can we? Why don't we move on to a two-letter word. The next word is be. And be. The word be here in Colossians 3.15 is a command. As in, be quiet. We often say that to our children. Or, uh, be patient. What does Paul mean when he commands us to be quiet? thankful. 
It's an interesting thing to be commanded towards a state of being, you know. Uh, it, it assumes a certain thing, but for instance, it would be nonsensical for Paul to say to us, um, be a miniature pony. We can't do that. Or be purple. Or be wooden. You can only command someone to be something that's congruent with their nature. For Paul to say, and be thankful, he is assuming a certain thing about us as people, which is that we are thanksgivers. Because only thanksgivers can be thankful. So Paul's seemingly simple three-word imperative, and be thankful, gets really complicated whenever we realize that in Romans 1, as we read earlier in the service, we are not thanksgivers by nature. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. We do not. We cannot be thankful in the flesh because by nature, fallen humanity is a thankless people. We do not give thanks. We are not thankful by definition. Which must mean if we have any hope of obeying what seemed to be such a simple command and be thankful, something must have happened to us along the way that made us thanksgivers. We had to become thanksgivers in Jesus Christ. Well, now we're kind of thinking the pattern after Paul because this is what he's trying to show us is that we can only be thankful in and through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17 again. He says as much, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And how do we give thanks? Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, that's the only way we can give thanks because in our own nature, we can't do it. We are not thankful. So if we have any hope of being thankful, we have to become thanksgivers in Jesus Christ. But then that brought me to a really strange idea. How on earth is Jesus a thanksgiver? What does Jesus have to be thankful for? The Bible tells us Jesus upholds this universe by the word of his power and that the earth is his and the fullness thereof. What does Jesus have to be thankful for? But strange as it is, it's true. Jesus is a thanksgiver. His prayers, when we get to hear them in the Gospels, they begin like this. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And Father, I thank you. And whenever Jesus sits down to a meal, whether with a crowd or with his disciples, we keep seeing him doing this. He took the seven loaves and the fish and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and his disciples to the crowd. It seems like every time we turn around, Jesus is spreading a table and giving thanks and breaking bread and feeding people. His ministry is a lot like our holiday season, to be honest. A lot of feasting and thanksgiving. And this is no accident. Who here has a tradition in their homes, especially at Thanksgiving, that the, the host of the family, the sort of head of the family, is the one who says grace before everyone eats? Anyone grow up in a, in a family like that? Yeah. 
The one seated at the head of the table is the one who offers up thanks for everyone who's gathered around the table. And that's been a tradition for a long time, even in pagan cultures. For instance, uh, maybe you remember in school having to read the Iliad and the Odyssey, and they feature tons of feasting and thanksgiving. Now, being pagans, these heroes, they raise their glasses to you know, the pantheon of Greek gods, and they, but they're often offering even a tithe. They, they give us spoils of war as a thank offering to those gods. In many ways, very similar to what we do with the one true God. In fact, one author writes that this kind of Thanksgiving feasting is actually a sign to those who are listening to the story. The ones who feast, she says, are the heroes. It was a signal to the listeners The people who get to feast the most, they're the ones that are the heroes of the story. In ancient Greek literature, heroes feasted. And this is also true in the scriptures. We've heard this morning from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This supreme example in the Old Testament is King David. As the people of God are gathered together around tables, and King David stands up at the end of his royal ministry for a grand feast. Listen to what he says again. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom of Lord, and you are exalted as head above all And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. And then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly raised their glasses and they said, Hear, hear. And they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. As we take in this scene, we begin to realize what it means for us to call Jesus our chief thanksgiver. It means that he's our king. That he's the one who sits at the head of our thanksgiving table. That he is the one who has offered up, as we've celebrated this morning, his body and blood as the king of the Jews crucified on the cross that he's the one who went to battle for us in the valley of the shadow of death, that he's the one who took our sin and laid it in the grave never to come out again, that he's the one who was raised and marched forth in glory and power, that he's the one who has ascended to the right hand of the Father and is indeed even now interceding for us, that he is the one who says to us, This is my body broken for you. Take, drink. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Come, feast. Sit at my table. As we come from east and west and from north and south and we recline at his table in the kingdom of God and as we marvel at what has been done for us, a feast It's not a potluck here, folks. This is a feast that we bring nothing to. 
A feast prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And as we look around in wide-eyed amazement at the goodness of God, and as we see ourselves surrounded by saints old and new on either side, and as we look at the one who is seated at the head of the table, and we hear him say, I thank you, Father. All we can do is raise our glasses and say, Here, here. Here, here. This is the reality into which Paul encourages us and be thankful. He assumes that we have become thanksgivers. That the peace of Christ the King is now ruling in our hearts where once there was rebellion and hostility. That the word of Christ the King now causes psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to well up in our hearts where once there was only hatred and emptiness. That we who were once thankless now find that thanksgiving is all we have to offer. The only true thanksgivers in the whole universe are the ones gathered around Jesus' table. We have joined in the victory celebration around Christ's table in his kingdom. And be thankful. Brothers and sisters, after what Jesus Christ has done for us, can we be anything else? I don't think y'all are ever going to forget this sermon outline. And secondly, be. And then finally, and thirdly, thankful. And be thankful. If you've ever been in a Presbyterian or an Anglican or an Orthodox or uh, what else? Lutherans probably call it this. Uh, the, the celebration that we've had this morning, you may have heard it called the Holy Eucharist. Anybody heard it called that? Yeah. That word Eucharist is the exact same word that Paul uses here in Colossians chapter 3. Thankful. The earliest Christians began to call the Lord's Supper the Eucharist because they realized that foundationally the Lord's Supper is a thanksgiving meal. We first learn how to give thanks when we gather around the Lord's table. It's the place where Jesus gives himself, his own flesh, his own blood for us. It's the table from which all other good things overflow into our lives. We are able to say, as the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, only because before we have said, you've prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. At the Lord's Supper, Jesus gives thanks that he gets to offer his own body and his own blood for his people, for us, for his family gathered around his table. At the Lord's Supper, we give thanks because we know this much is true, that he who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all, he will graciously give us with him all things. If we believe that the Father has given us the Son, how can we pretend that He'll withhold anything from us? Every good and perfect gift is coming down from the Father of lights. 
You see, before we come to Jesus, nothing is ever enough. We are never satisfied. But after we come to the cross, we realize he has already given too much. We have more than we could ever deserve. Thanksgiving is impossible without the gospel. But with the gospel, Thanksgiving is all we want to do. <laughs> because we become, by definition, thanksgivers. We who are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son are new creatures who love nothing more than to sit around the table and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just like Jesus says in John 4, our souls are finally satisfied with the only food that truly feeds our hunger. We are finally able to do the will of God. Why is this world so hungry? So hungry that not even a thousand Thanksgiving meals could satisfy. Well, it's because they're feeding themselves with the approval of others. They're feeding their souls with being true to their own heart. They're feeding their souls with Instagram likes and retweets. They're feeding their souls with selfishness. They're feeding themselves with stolen praise in the applause of other moms or co-workers, friends, or neighbors. They're feeding themselves with new toys. We were all like them once. Kind of like the man who's stranded in the ocean and his thirst drives him to drink the salt water around him, but every handful that he swallows only makes him thirstier and more dehydrated. But one day, we were returning to that same broken cistern and a man met us there and said, everyone who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And we said to him, desperately, thirstily, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come back here to draw water. And at that moment, God poured his love into our hearts, as Paul says to the Romans, through his spirit, the living water that he has given to us. And the Holy Spirit finally opens our eyes to the fact that all the food that we've been feeding our souls with only makes us hungrier. This is the food that satisfies to do the will of the Father. Obey! That's what we're longing for. We want to be able to obey God, but all along we've not been able to. And then as we take that first step of obedience, it satisfies our soul in a way nothing ever has. And then a second step of obedience. And we take step after step, and every moment as we are made able to obey God, the only thing we can say is, God, thank you so much. This is what I've been hungering and longing for all along, and I never knew it. Simply to do your will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When Paul says, and be thankful, he's not merely just talking about a change of attitude. He doesn't simply mean feel thankful. The word he uses here is, is indicating an activity 
He's saying, and be thanksgivers. Be those who give thanks. In the Old Testament, they offered up thank offerings. In the Psalms, thanksgiving is never a silent activity. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful works. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing your praise to the name, to your name, O Most High. As New Testament people, and be thankful means offering up our bodies as living sacrifices. It means we forever are retelling to one another and the watching world and to God himself of the mighty acts of salvation that he is doing in our lives and has done. We wonder why we feel so hopeless and miserable all the time. It's because we are spending all of our days recounting to ourselves and others over and over again all the things that we perceive to be wrong about our lives. We complain, don't we? And we all need to stop complaining, but you realize that the opposite of complaining is not not complaining. It's thanksgiving. You see, we are designed to recount our experiences and the things in our lives. And complaining hijacks that and gets us to, to recount all the things we think are wrong. But once we're filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden now, we put our mouths and our hearts to work recounting all the amazing goodness of God. All the ways that He has been so gracious and merciful to us. We were made to tell and retell the tales of how God has saved us. We were made to sit down around a table and remind one another of the amazing things God's done for us. We were made to feast and celebrate and relive battle by battle, blow by blow, moment by moment, the amazing victory Jesus won for us on the cross and continues to win through and for us day after day in his church. That's what we're made for. We are made to give thanks. Earlier in the service, I asked for you all to stand and maybe share with us something you're thankful for, you want to give thanks to the Lord for. And as we close, let me recount some of God's mighty deeds, the things he's done for us here at Collins Street Baptist Church. I thank you, Father, for the books of 2 Corinthians and 1 Samuel. And I'm thankful for a church who for another year has given sacrificially and faithfully so that I can devote all of my time to studying and praying and preaching through the Word of God every week. I thank the Father for giving me another son this year and for bringing my wife through a risky pregnancy and delivery. I thank you, Jesus, for raising up faithful men to teach and preach in this church I'm thankful for men like Nathan who seem eager to get into the pulpit and have a chance to feed the word to God's people and, and for men like Nathan and Chad who are faithful to teach Sunday school week after week and to help disciple the people here at College Street. I thank the Lord that after five years of ministry to the men's soccer team at Newberry College, uh, two weeks ago we were able to baptize the first member of the soccer team there. 
What a blessing. I thank the Father for sending us Roberto and Lisa and Juan Antonio and Tony and the Eaters. We're so thankful for all of you and you are uh, a resounding reminder of God's faithfulness to this church. I thank God for LifeBridge. Just this past week, Catherine told us that they had their first appointment in the uh, Storkmobile, which is the mobile ultrasound unit. A woman who was very frank with the counselors there that she was abortion intended, and she wanted to have an appointment anyway. Catherine says that young lady went up into that mobile unit and she laid down on that table and they squirted the goo on her, you know, like they do. And she saw her baby on that screen and heard the heartbeat. Catherine says that woman cried because she was so torn because her circumstances were screaming to her that you can't do this. And as she looked at the screen, she was realizing that I have to. This is my child. I'm so thankful for this ministry. We could go on and on. But isn't that the point? <laughs> that once you get going in Thanksgiving, it just continues and it snowballs. One last one. Father, we do thank you for giving us. Of all things, what a silly thing to be thankful for. But we are thankful for a new roof, aren't we, church? Back in February, we found out we were going to have to raise $20,000 to replace the shingles on our church, and we didn't know how we were going to do it, but we were going to give faithfully and trust the Lord to provide, and our members gave faithfully, and then other churches started to help, and other friends and family, and finally, the Little Church Foundation came, in, came through for us, and what do you know it? The Lord has given us a new roof. We don't deserve any of these things. And yet we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. May Thanksgiving not simply be a day of the year or even a week out of the year, but a continual state of being for us. May we continue to rehearse, replay, retell, rejoice in the goodness of God. Brothers and sisters, and be thankful. Let's pray. God, you have been so good to us this year. And because we are your children, we expect the same goodness and mercy to follow us into 2019. As presumptuous as that may be, Lord, you're the one who saved us. You put us in this spot. You sent your son to claim us as your own. And so we ask for the upcoming year, give us more reasons to give thanks. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.